Amen. Thank you. I'm just going to, um, I always do this. Um, you know, there's something about uh, declaring the name of Jesus. And I'm just going to say, Lord, you're sovereign. You're Lord of the universe. You're the Lord of this world. You're the Lord of Cambridge and Boston. And right now here, you're the Lord of this time. And I pray, Lord, that you, you just control you just control everything about the time we're going to speak, and you touch the people where they need to be touched, and that my words would be your words. I just give this whole time over to you. Um, so it's good to be here. Uh, I'm not Daryl. Uh, if you're uh, interested in seeing his youthful good looks and vivacious personality, you should come back next week. Um, variety is good for the body of Christ. Um, I think I'm a little bit more... Uh, understated, uh, but that's good too. Um, so I wasn't here last weekend, and uh, it's, it's always nice to see how, how um, the Lord knits things together. Uh, so I started, uh, Daryl and Bethany had asked if uh, we would pick up this spot when they were away a while ago, and I said, sure. You know, Kathy and I argued over who ought to do it. Um, we both think the other one is much better at this than, than we are. Um, and uh, uh, she said, no, I think you should do it. So, okay, so I started thinking about what to, uh, what to talk about, and uh, we're going to go through it today. But uh, it's interesting that last weekend uh, I wasn't here, um, and Bethany was speaking about what I would uh, paraphrase. So I listened to it on uh, this past Thursday uh, in my car and on my way to work. You can do that with the Bluetooth stuff. And, and uh, in a nutshell, if, uh, if I'm assuming a lot of you were here, it was a kind of a challenge to examine where your heart was at, right? And there was a time for that. I started working on this late March. I finished up um, largely April and uh, have been ready for a while. And it's interesting that what I'm going to talk about today is essentially, um, I would call it the more hygienic part of, of how you're, uh, yeah, I will trip over that sooner or later, um, the hygienic part of how you manage your heart. Uh, I'm going to try to give some, um, I'm, I'm going to think, I'm going to try to be relatively brief so that we have some time for you to actually come up and, and um, maybe put some feet, uh, feet to this, but uh, I'm going to use some practical um, examples. I have one particular uh, biblical precept that I like to use. That, um, I'll show it to you about how how we look at and how we can sort of really um, think about managing our own hearts. Because it's a big topic. It's actually a very big topic. So let's start from the beginning. Um, why is this important? And I like to use slides. If, uh, if you've been here before, you know that. <laughs> um, you know, the, the fundamental call that God has for us is really has to do with access and ownership of our heart. So if we go all the way back to the beginning in uh, Deuteronomy 6, you know, the, the, the Ten Commandments, you know, the first commandment, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Okay? So that's the first commandment. That's, that's, that's the very, very primary thing of our faith. Really critical to keep that in mind. This is not some emotional... Um, feel-good sort of thing. It, it's, it's kind of at the core of our faith. And that, you know, when you start thinking about heart and, and all this stuff, sometimes it's, it's easy to kind of think about it as something less primal than it really is. But this is primary. So when you look at, um, you know, what does it mean? 
when you look at how the word heart is uh, defined, um, the Hebrew word is labab, or as Abner was here, I'm sure it's something like labab, or whatever, but uh, um, that I can't say, but it's um, you know, cardio, cardio in the Greek. And if you go through the, uh, the Strong's lexicon, you'll see there's all sorts of, it's probably hard to read, but you know, um, various meanings, mind, understanding, inner man, will, soul, conscience, moral, cap, uh, moral character, seat of appetites, uh, the center and seat of spiritual life. This one down here at the bottom, I like seat of courage, uh, reflection, memory. It's, it's comprehensive. There's a lot to heart. There's a lot to what God is getting at here. It's, you know, it's not like just a simple thing. It's, it's extensive. It's comprehensive. We I mean, say it's all-consuming. Okay, so um, on one hand, that might be a little overwhelming. On the other hand, I think it helps, right? I think it helps us to understand that when God asks for our heart, he's, you know, it's like, what does that mean? It means a lot of things. And so there's a lot of things we can, we can do. Um, you know, this, 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 this is really, you know, it's okay, well, it's, it's kind of like all of me, right? It's, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Um, but, you know, where we all start is, do you think about it this way? Do you ever ask yourself, what is the state of my heart? It's a key question. And it's a question that this guy named David, a man after God's own heart, asked quite a bit. Okay? And so the, 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 um, this is a psalm which a lot of people uh, refer to. You know, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And that's a great, great psalm. Um, but the thing that kind of uh, throws it here is that it's kind of prescriptive. It's, it's, you know, know my anxious thoughts. It seems to, you know, we talk about context in the Bible. It seems to talk about a particular situation he's in. Um, I like um, this psalm, Psalm 26. Because if you, we're going to go through this later, and we're going to break it up a little bit. It's fairly proscriptive. It sort of shows you kind of this process, excuse me, we can go through. Test me, O Lord and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. So we're going to come back to this later, but as I, um, you know, the one good thing about, um, you know, getting ahead of things sometimes to time, and sometimes you, you step up here and you just let the Lord flow through you, and sometimes you prepare, but when, when, when I, I was prepared, I started to pray about what to do today, and uh, I think the Lord um, has had pointed out kind of two things for, uh, for me. One is, you know, we start at the beginning, I said, you know, the, a matter of the heart, uh, warm, you know, hot, cold, or dead. Um, so as a heart, you know, for those of you um, here, if there are any of you here that, um, you know, thinking about how this, how this fits in your life and you don't know the Lord, I'd say one thing to sort of, when you look at the state of your heart, if you have a, a heart kind of left to its own, um, you have to kind of really, again, take a step back and say, what is, what is kind of a heart left to its own good for? You know, a heart that is um, just sort of left to its own devices, that doesn't have the, 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 the spiritual oversight of the Holy Spirit or the redeemed qualities of Christ flowing through us, you know, just sort of the best that we can do. And uh, the Bible's pretty clear about this. And I think if you're really honest about this, this rings true. I know it certainly did to me. You know, my, my testimony was um, I got to a point in my life where I was faced with challenging situations 
which required me to step up and exhibit a kind of care and a kind of um, giving that I realized my heart was unable to do. I saw my inadequacy. I saw that my heart really wasn't, you know, everyone said, oh, he's a good guy. I, I wasn't a good guy. And when I got challenged to really step up, in my case, to be a father, um, I realized I was completely inadequate, that my heart was not good. It just wasn't. And I think if you, you, know, if you go through the scriptures, you know, Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And this is a good one from Matthew. I, like, I always like to go kind of old in New Testament, just so you don't think I'm sort of cherry-picking things here. Um, but the things that come out of the mouth from the heart, these things make a man unclean, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. Okay, so a heart left to its own, a heart unredeemed, what I would call a dead heart, is a bad thing. Okay, and, if, and I think we all walk a journey. And if, if, if anybody in here is kind of at the place I was at where you're like, you know, I just can't be good enough. I, I, you know, my heart is not really in a place where I can, can I really, I, I see what I am and I can't change it. That's a good place to be, actually. Because, you know, our hearts need to be reclaimed. Um, for those of you who are believers in Christ, you know this, right? You know this, that, you know, it's good news. God is in the heart transplant business. Okay, so if, um, if you're just, I throw that out there, I felt compelled to offer it. But, you know, it's not, if you're feeling this way, it's not, you know, it's like you're not imagining things, right? This is the call within all of our testimony and witnesses. We can't be good enough. You won't be good enough. You will not be able to overcome this. No amount of, of volunteering, no amount of good deeds, no amount of, of uh, um, you know, positive thinking. You need Jesus, okay? That's what you need. Your heart, will not, your heart will not sort of just change on its own. And if you look around the whole world, the testimony to this fact is mind-numbingly overwhelming. Just turn on the news. Men left to their own devices kill each other. It has been that way since Cain and Abel. So here's the good news. Again, Ezekiel, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone. That's certainly what my heart felt like before I got saved. And give them a heart of flesh. And then in Hebrews, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Okay? So we'll, at the end of this, we'll have time. If that's anybody here this resonates with, come see me. Okay, getting back to where we were. So this heart thing seems to be a big deal. It is the deal. Okay, I, would, uh, um, I would propose to you that this might be the most important part of your Christian faith. And we'll talk a little bit about why that is. Um, but if you go sort of in the Old Testament, we had Deuteronomy 6 in the New Testament, Jesus expanded on this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's pretty clear. Okay, this is, this is the words of Jesus now. Okay. So when we, when we invite Jesus in, we do get a new heart. Right? He, he redeems us. I've been through that process. Um, and, you know, that's a great place to start. But as, as kind of Bethany uh, challenged us, um, sometimes, you know, 
this is a, this is a process. It, 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 sometimes you can kind of get um, off track, and sometimes your heart can get a little cold. And, and um, this is really a lifelong and critical pursuit. This is something you need to be intentional about. This is something you need to take seriously, like really seriously. Again, connecting all the dots. It is the greatest commandment. Old New Testament, primary, foundational. What are you doing? How are you pursuing this? Are you thinking about this? Are you thoughtful about this? Are you intentional about this? You need to be. And it's not hard to lose our way, okay? There are... We all go through seasons, right? Um, seasons of testing and trial, they can make us bitter. Boredom, right? Boredom. We can just fill our heads up and get kind of, I don't know, a flabby heart. <laughs> I don't know what I call it. You just don't, you know, you're, not, you're not really thinking about it. It's sort of, you're just sort of satisfying your pleasure or you know, just, you know, just your, your appetites. Your appetites are direct, you know, your body, your ap- they're all connected to your heart, but you, know, it can, you can get imbalanced. Uh, comfort can make us uh, lazy. Um, it's something that we, we, you know, that we need to be diligent about. And you say, well, you know, hey, hey, you know, I mean, easy, dude. <laughs> uh, don't be so, you know, don't be so uh, uh, religious and, and, and strict about this. You know, God understands we go through seasons. God understands I'm just going with the flow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think God has lots of grace for us, but does he really require a hot love? Uh, you know, a, a warm heart? Is that really something that God you know, and, and Jesus really is seeking for us to have? Unfortunately, I'd say yes. So this is from um, Revelation as to the church of Laodicea. These are Christians now. These are people in the church. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And I think it's the, the, the real word is like vomit out of my mouth. And um, it's important to, to, to be clear that he's not saying that, you know, I've rejected you, you're going to hell. This is not about salvation. That is a free gift from God. Okay, but what he is saying is that the, their lack of, of zeal for, for him is he finds um, kind of offensive, right? It's, he's not pleased by it. Okay, it's not like he's cracking the whip, but he is, he's delivering a message. But it tells us that this is a big deal to God. This is a big deal to God. And why is that? Why do you suppose that is? Is he like looking for like, you got to do what I tell you. I need you to do what I need. He doesn't need anything from us. The one thing he wants from us is our heart. Okay? Because when you think about it, salvation is his free gift to us. This is our free gift to him. This is the only thing. This is the only thing we can give to him. This is a big deal to him. I've, I've said this before when I've been up here. I have found that my weak love, the times when I've tried, have so brought him close to me, have so brought him near, that I could do a million things. I could, you know, I could go off and give every single person in Boston a sandwich, you know? Uh, with bricks in a backpack, running backwards, you know? And I think he'd look, I think I'd feel like, you're an idiot. Um, but if I, if I would spend time with him, or I would pursue him, or I would challenge myself in a way that I know is dear to him, and that I'm doing it for him, that brings him near. 
it's important to understand, again, the primacy of this. This is the only thing we have. When we stand before him, he is going to examine our heart. That is our legacy. That is what, it, you know, we, we make a decision, we are saved. Beyond that, it's what we do with our hearts. Okay, so let's go back to Psalm 26, because this, I think, helps us to sort of get some practical, biblical principles which will allow us to manage this in our lives. So, I'm just going to go through it quickly. Test me, O Lord, and try me. That's the first thing. Examine my heart and my mind. For your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. Two verses, one psalm. There's a lot there. Okay, I'm going to call this the four elements of heart healthiness. So the first one, test me and try me. We've seen that again in the other uh, psalm from David. But um, uh, the second piece is examine my heart and my mind. The, The whole you, right? This is important. God's not looking for what you're like here. God is looking for what you're like when you're alone, what's going on in your head, how you relate to other people. You know, I mean, it's, um, we all need to defend our hearts with each other, but not with him, not with him. For your love is ever before me. It is safe. It is safe to open up your heart to God. Might be the only safe person you can do this with, but that's okay. He is sufficient. And if you haven't done this, it's a mistake. And I walk in your truth. He sets the standards for what we reach to attain. It shouldn't be a mystery when we don't know sort of what a heart posture should be or how we are meant to behave or how we're supposed to focus. We have God's word to guide us. So the first one, test me and try me. Do you do this? Okay, do you take the time to measure yourself against the standards of God like David did? You know, or, or do you say, you know, hey, listen, I gave that homeless guy a quarter last week. I'm a good guy. I don't kill anybody. I mean, I, I have lots of people I work with that are like, yeah, I'm a good guy, you know. I didn't do anything bad. You know, I never killed anybody. So if that's your standard, I never killed anybody, eh, you know. Or, you know, you, you, you scrounge in your pocket and you, and you flip somebody a quarter when you walk by. I'm not saying these things are, you know, I'm not saying that not killing people isn't a positive social element. (laughs) But um, when you think about what God's standards are, there's a real, um, I think you need to embrace them. I think you need to embrace them. Because if you don't, I mean, you'll you'll set your bar low. And it's okay to set the bar high. It's okay to set the bar where he sets it. And where does he set it? Okay, so this is the most challenging verse. Um that I know. I literally have this verse on my body somewhere. Um, it's in, it's in, um, it's, uh, I'm going to leave it at that. This is to say that uh, this was something I felt so strongly about, something I felt so strongly about that I l- literally tried to make it a personal part of my being <laughs> so that I would not ever forget it. And, and that, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that other people have to do this, but I'm kind of dense, and um, I, I kind of live in the moment. And, and um, for me, it was like, you know what? Uh, I, I did it a long time ago. I, uh, <laughs> I, it's like, you know, I don't ever, ever want to forget this. I want this standard. Um, 
This is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I want this standard to mark my life. And, you know, I'll just read it aloud. So love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records, no rec- record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. All right, take all that, right? Now, I am not saying, and I'm sure if my wife were here, she, she, would, she would tell you, I do not match the standard many, many times. Okay, my wife, my kids, my friends, many of you would say, you know, you're not there. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm committed to work toward this. Okay? So I've set the standard. I have set the standard. I don't feel, again, because I have a trusting relationship with God, when I feel, I don't feel condemned. I allow him to help me work toward this. And I will tell you, over time, you do work toward it. But you have to set that standard. And this is his standard. This is his standard. Okay, so it's not, I didn't kill anybody, I'm a good guy. Um, I help people, I do nice things. Nothing wrong with any of that. That probably components of all this. But this is the standard of God's love. It's a high standard. It's a high standard. And without his help, you will not get there. But if you do actually walk out these things, if you are the kind of person that exhibits and displays this sorts of love, you will transform people around you. Christ will, come th- Christ will be reflected through you. Think about the person that, that emulates these things that you might interact with or come across. This is the irresistible nature of Christ. He manifests and personified all of these things. It is beautiful. It is brilliant. So when you sit down, and hopefully you take some time to examine your own heart, consider this. Consider the, the, the standard that God sets. Okay, examine my heart and my mind. This is you know, kind of getting to that first, we talked about all the different words for the heart. This is the whole you. Are you comprehensive in your approach to what you look at? Or are there some squeaky, dirty little areas you don't like God to be associated with? You know, I'm going to keep him aside, as if you could. But, but you know, are there things that you don't bring to him because, oh, he wouldn't want to, you know, ooh, that's, the, that's the icky part of me. Listen, guys, he's all-consuming. He's not keen for compromise, and there are parts of you that he thinks should be off-limits. If, if you have that thought in your mind, that's you. That ain't him. He wants the whole shebang. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And, you know, that's intimidating, and I think um, it can be. But again, if you understand who you're dealing with, it's not. But, you know, just keep this in mind as you go through this process. You know... You may want to start with the bad news. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, once you get going, don't just kind of take it on. Like, okay, yeah, here it is. This is that part of me that I wish I didn't have, but I do. And I wish I, wish I was better at this, or I wish I, you know, I wish I didn't have such a problem with this. That's where he likes to meet us. And if you're leaving that, I mean, it's, it, you know, you're not going in for, um, uh, you know, it's not like going in for a, a performance review where you're just going to say, you know, here's all the wonderful things I've done. Aren't I wonderful? That's a superficial relationship, right? That's a, super, that's a relationship you have with your boss. This is not your boss. This is the lover of our souls. This is different. So he wants it all. 
Okay, as I, again, as I mentioned, I was praying. I felt God um, poked two things on me. One was sort of that idea of the, of the dead heart, right? The second one was the offended heart. And, um, you know, this idea of we have the right to be right. It's a stumbling block, okay? There are people treat us poorly. They do. Sometimes all the time. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can get on quite a roll, right? <laughs> where, where it feels like, you know... It's like the, uh, I remember I said before, the old chairs uh, um, line, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world and I've got milk bone underwear. Um, the, but, you know, if you, have the, you have those days, you have those seasons, you might have whole years. Sometimes it might feel like you're going through a decade of this stuff. And you can get, you can get bitter. But there's one thing just to keep in mind. You haven't earned the right to be right. So you've got some, uh, so in Ecclesiastes, which again is a great, um, a very deep book, very deep book. Um, Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. Okay? I mean, that's truth, right? That is truth. In, in Proverbs, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. So for, if anybody out there is struggling with this, I'll just say, thus say it the Lord, get over it. Okay, you, 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 are, you, are blocking, you are blocking your own growth and you're actually blocking him. Okay? I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I've been dealing with this personally recently and um, it ain't, it, it's not easy. I, I get it. I get it. But it's not constructive. It's not helpful. It doesn't. The quicker you can kind of go through this, and get it out of your system, the better off you are. And there's no guarantee that it won't happen again. But when you think about how the church grew and the persecuted church and all of that, it might be something we need to get used to. Okay. So back here. Um, the third part. For your lover, your love is ever before me. It is safe. God is in control. Key here. Key here. Okay. You know, I'm very protective of my heart. Very. I am by no means telling everybody else that you should be bearing your heart to all manner of people. Okay, some people are more or less personally disposed at how they do this. Me, I'm, I'm actually very private. And um, I grew up in an environment where, where not trusting people was really the right thing to do. <laughs> it really was the right thing to do. And so I understand that how we deal with each other and how, and how we go through a process, whether it's a spouse or a good friend, where we feel comfortable bearing more of our heart is a process. And I will tell you all that you should be extremely careful about how you do that. But when it comes to Jesus, you need to go wide open. Okay? This is where you have that opportunity to have your heart ministered to. This is the place, again, where you, where you bear all because it's safe. He is the good shepherd, the savior of our soul. His love is ever before us. We can feel comfortable bringing him our mess, our brokenness, all the dirty stuff. It's okay. okay? He paid the price on the cross. He wants all of that. It is safe. He is safe. You might be in a situation where literally no one else in your life is safe. He is. He's the one ally you have. He's the only ally you really need in a lot of situations. 
I mean, community is great, and we need community, and we all have to work toward this, and we all need to be open, transparent, and honest with each other. But when you get down to that deep, deep part of you, he's the one. He's the one. You make an, need to make an intentional effort to have this sort of relationship with him. His loving kindness knows no bounds. There's nothing you did, said, or thought that is going to drive him away from you. Okay? He's, he's, he, he's endless in his patience. He's endless in his forgiveness. He's en- endless in his wisdom and his concern. Um, he's trustworthy. You know, if you think about in the, the Sea of Glass in the book of Revelation, where it talks about... Um, you know, the people throwing their crowns at his feet and the living creatures. And they keep saying over and over again, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. You know, somewhere this is going on 24-7, that, that it's, just, it's just a fundamental truth that he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worth it. Yeah, he's all that and then some. He has no equal. There is no other way to do this, okay? There, um, if you want to be truly healthy, truly whole, He's it. He's the only way. There's no amount of meditation, good, as I said before. Take it from someone who tried everything. I tried all the Eastern religions. I tried all that stuff. It brings you inward. You know, when, when you start thinking about me, it's all about me, and then you start to focus in, and, then you, and you're essentially reflecting back onto that crappy heart you have, you end up doing some pretty freaky weird stuff to make yourself feel better about that. Okay? And if you think about kind of that whole thing works, it'll make some sense to you. Right? You need something other. You, the, the only way to be truly healthy, truly whole, and to kind of walk toward that standard, that First Corinthians 13 standard, is, is a pathway that goes directly into and through Jesus. There is no other way. Okay, and at the end here, uh, the, the last one, is that his truth is, you know, is the standard. And when you think about, well, I, I'm kind of stuck on something. What do I do about this? Um, Boundaries, instruction, and discipline are essential. Okay, it can't be just how we feel. Um, anybody who's a parent will tell you that um, not giving your kids any boundaries is a recipe for chaos, disaster, you name it. Um, you, need, you need some boundaries. The boundaries, he's, he's, he's good about setting them for us. We have a manual for life. It's called the Bible. God's standards for our hearts are the only ones that matter. Some of them may not be politically correct. They might not even be popular. doesn't matter. They're time-tested and true. Okay? So, you know, this is um, like a lot of things we deal with. Uh, it's not a popularity contest. Uh, popularity is one of the most overrated things of all time. Um, I mean, the current election would probably be Exhibit A. Um, but the, the um, you know, God's standards for our heart that's the only thing that matters. It's not melodramatic or romantic. Got nothing against romance. I think we'll probably talk about a lot about romance in the next couple of weeks. Um, but this is a different kind of, of, of truth and love. It's, it's, it's pure. You know, I think about, when I think of Jesus, I think of, you know, I think of purity, clean his consistency, his, his, how dependable he is, just the, the, the offer he gives to us, it's, you know, that, you know and, and all the, the sort of visual images we have in the word, I mean, that's helpful to me because I just, I see this clean, pure love. 
the standard he sets, which is healthy and whole and other, right? You know, I look around the world and I'm like, this is, his standards are the purest, the righteous, the clean, and, and he sets the standard that, that the only way to get through is through him. But it's a standard, that's a, it's a high standard, it's a true standard. It's something I can embrace, it's something I can get hold of. And I can trust him and I can look at his word and say, this all connects. You have made me a path. You have made me a way. And it's a lifestyle choice. Okay? It's 100% based on an active pursuit. Even if you don't always live up to it. I would say, especially if you don't always live up to it. This is not something you're going to, you know, someone's going to wave a magic wand over your head and you're going to be like, I'm changed. Right? You have that first change where you get the heart transplant. Then after that, this is our opportunities to give him that thing that he craves, our hearts, our, our beautiful personal worship. And, um, you know, it's the standards that he sets. So, again, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of end where we started. Um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. But it's one that... Um, I think if you're going to identify yourself as anything other than a, a nominal Christian, you know, just I, I, I you know, I, I got the get out of uh, jail free pass, and now it's cool. I can do whatever I want. Um, you know, there was a, you know, there was a study done um, for kind of nominal churchgoers, and there was this, and it was crazy. It was like uh, I was, I was, I'm a marketing person. I was this, this was a, a group of people that were looking to kind of. Um, market their faith and there was this real gambling mentality throughout what they were finding in the people that they were polling that this, this massive survey and the whole idea was um, you know what I can do whatever I want and then five minutes before I die I'll just press reset and everything will be cool <laughs> you know I'll just have you know uh, last rites and uh, I'll, all my sins will be forgiven and uh, I'll go, you know, I'll go. And I, you know, I think, you know, the, 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 the gift of grace is kind of uh, blows your mind at how gracious it is, right? And, and there's probably some truth in that point of view. But that is not walking the walk of the Christian faith as I know it. The, the walk that I think we aspire to at this body is to be a fragrant offering, whether through, literally through our prayers and also through our lives. And this is the part through our lives where we give out of ourselves, overflow of our heart. And it's, you know, it's not, it's, it's not a nominal thing. Um, it's, it's a costly thing, but it's worth it. And it'll test you and try you, but it will fulfill you and drive you in ways you can't even imagine. So um, we're going to wrap up here. I wanted to take some time. I told you I'd be brief and give people an opportunity. But, you know, ask yourself the question, which one are you? Um, as I mentioned before, debt is dangerous. Um, cold or offended is unprofitable. It just isn't. If you've got a cold heart or an offended heart, um, change today. You know, make a commitment. Make a commitment to move toward a warm one. Make a commitment to forgive that thing or that person or that whatever that is holding you back. But take a step forward. Embrace the challenge. Um, if you've got a warm heart, warm's great, right? Great. What about blazing? Hey. Um, you you want to talk about uh, people like uh, Mother Teresa, my wife's uh, hero, uh, Corey Tenboom. You know who Corey Tenboom is? Um, Jackie Pollinger from Hong Kong. 
Um, what, 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 what did these people have that, that allowed them to have the kind of impact that they had? Can you guess? They, they had Jesus, but they had more than, they had a heart that was overflowing and had been cultivated and prepared throughout a whole life to be used for him in this sort of way. Mother Teresa did not wake up being able to care for people in absolutely overwhelming despair and poverty, overwhelming need, right? Just, she, you know, she was not, I mean, most people, I'm sure, up to in that point said, wow, that really stinks. Those people are really suffering. I have no idea what to do. I can help one. I can't, I, boom. Better to look the other way, which is what a lot of people do. Unless you have this heart that pushes you toward that almost impossible standard that Christ sets. Well, you'll step out in faith and say, this is as much about you, it's almost all about you, Lord Jesus, than me. I'm just going to be faithful, but I have your heart. I have your heart. And so you see these people. And, you know, if you aspire to that, it's a costly thing. I think all these people would tell you, you know, obviously two, maybe all of them are dead, but they would, they would um, I'm sure if you read, read their books and you read their life stories, you'll see it was costly. But was it worth it? Was it worth it? Is this what you want to do? Do you want to, you know, do you want to be that kind of person when you stand, stand before God and say, you know, I poured out everything. I gave you everything. I loved you as well as I could, as, as, as deeply as I could, as many ways as I could. I gave it all. Again, we're not a nominal church here. We would tell you that's a good thing. <laughs> extreme love, extreme dedication, extreme de- devotion to Jesus, those are all things here that we like. And it's a process. And again, I don't think you're going to walk out of here today if you're somewhere in those, in those different parts of your life. And, uh, but it starts. It's a start. So I'm just going to challenge you. If you want to come up for, um, for some prayer and put some feet to this and um, ask God to, to minister to you and, and, and touch you and help you to sort of move toward the next thing and, and just make a commitment to, again, if you, if you, if you have found those, those uh, that sort of the way I, I spelled it out, for a way for you to look for it, great. If not, find your own. But I'm, again, the challenge to you all is, you know, Bethany talked about the importance of having, you know, seeing revival in Boston. Um, well, let's just talk just for a second, you know, yeah. Or, you know, does revival in this city appear to be sort of like around the corner? We don't know, right? We don't know. It's not kind of obvious. You go to this thing like last week and you see that the, the, intense, the intense pressure of, of the challenge that is, that is facing God's kingdom from advancing in this region it's, you know, it's going to take people who are sold out and love him in a way which is more than superficial and more than nominal. So as we talk about, I think, part of that, like we want to we be that, that leverage point. We want to be that lever to, 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 to be on the front ends and, and, and see God move in this area. If we don't love well, it won't happen. There's no sort of um, impersonal strategy it's going to take people who love God well, 
that are willing to serve him, that lay down their lives and are buttoned down in their confidence and security in their relationship with Jesus where they can be healthy and whole and they can minister to other people. Because when you think about it, you know, there's been a lot of studies about, say, um, revival in the Indian, some of these Indian um, provinces where they, uh, some of the YWAM people will tell you that, that, you know, in like day four of the revival, every building, church building, um, in the community was like one-tenth of what they needed to hold the people. And that their leadership was completely overwhelmed. And it was really all about people whose lives had been changed and who loved Jesus and that were usable. And they became the leaders. And they carried this forward. And it was all done kind of like in the book of Acts based on this burning, overwhelming desire to serve Jesus, to be ministered to by him, and to love well. So these aren't disconnected. They are completely connected. This is fundamental to our faith. So we'll be up here if you want to come up and um, just, again, uh, commit to walk forward a little bit in this or get prayer for a particular um, um, area that you, you would like.